name's Brett. I'm the lead pastor here at Engage Church. And thanks to for taking some time to listen to the podcast. This is a brand new message series called The Power of No. Power of No. Buckle up, it's going to be a good one. Let's get at it. That's 1 Corinthians 6 says like this. You say, I am allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. And even though I'm allowed to do anything, I must not become a slave to anything. There is a certain amount of freedom, and by a certain amount, I mean an endless amount of freedom that is found in Jesus. In in another more classical translation of this very same verse, it says, everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. There are some guidelines, there are some boundaries, and... uh, You know, kids really show us how this works, right? Like, I have become the no guy. Now, I'm not a no guy. I'm a yes guy in every area of my life. I'm like a positive guy. I'm a let's get it done guy. I'm a can do. Like, no is not in my vocabulary until I became a parent for one simple reason. Candy has consequences. And so I have to start saying no to things. Yeah, it doesn't matter the, the cuteness level. It doesn't matter the, the eyes. And then, Daddy, I love you, Candy. You know, it doesn't matter because Candy has consequences. And so we, I, I've been backed into a corner in my life called parenthood where I have to embrace one simple word. No. You're going to thank me for it later, son. You know, it's like all those phrases start coming out. It's because, it's you know, listen, son. I'm saying no because I love you. He's like, you hate me. That's not true. I hate what candy does to you. But I don't, I don't hate you necessarily. See, I, I, don't, I don't know about you, but I, I've kind of come to a place uh, in, in my life where I'm kind of like, I'm tired of saying no to a certain extent. And then I get really tired of hearing no. You know, like, I don't, I don't like to hear no. Like, no is not a good word with me. I don't want to hear no from your mouth. I want to hear yes. Let's, 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 let's go yes. Like, uh, you know, we, we built, you know, the Stony Plain locations, a little bit delayed. You know, the bus is a little bit delayed. All those things. Literally last week, I'm setting up in the room. Someone's like, hey, I need to talk to you about something. And I said, listen, if you tell me no or that we're delayed on something one more time, <laughs> I am literally hitting my limit. Like, the the answer is actually yes, we're going to make it happen. But have you ever had that feeling in your life where you feel like you're either hitting a whole bunch of no's, like no after no after no, roadblock after roadblock after roadblock, or you find yourself wanting to take a step forward, but you're the one saying no, 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 no. What do we do when it feels like we say no more than we say yes, or when it feels like our life is full of no. That's what I want to explore over the next couple of weeks, because sometimes I think, you know, we we think that no is is negative, and no is not negative. In fact, no uh, is powerful. That's kind of the recalibration that we have to look at. No is not necessarily negative, but no is powerful. 1 Corinthians 13 says, when I was a child... I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child, but when I grew up, I put away childish things. In other words, no is negative when you're naive. No is negative 
when you're naive, when you just think that the world should just be a whole bunch of yeses, and when you think that your relationship with God should look like a whole bunch of yeses, we just position ourselves for this ultimate disappointment that every single time a no comes our way, it just begins to crush our soul. But what if? What if the no wasn't intended to crush your soul? What if the no was perfectly positioned and placed to build out, shore up, develop and redirect your soul so that you could move into the right season, the right opportunity, seize the right thing. You see, when when we're parents to kids, we're like, listen, no, no, you don't understand. You can't put your hand on the stove because it's going to burn you. So I say no to that. It's for your own good. No is for your own protection. No is, it's it's for your own good. It's, It's the best thing for you. But when we're moving through seasons of life and we ask God for, you know, this thing or we look to Jesus and say, is this my opportunity? Is this the time? Should I, should I do this? Should I do this thing? Should I move in this direction? Should I get into this relationship? And then all of a sudden there's this answer, no. We're like, why? I want it right now. Oh, that's just me? That's generally, that's my prayer room right here. Just, just me, right? I just have this like toddler meltdown moment and then you realize oh the way that I feel about this situation is the way that my kid feels about candy I want it right now and yet if there's a no coming in different seasons or different moments maybe the no was not intended to hurt you maybe it wasn't intended to hold you back which is sometimes like that no's just Jesus Christ is just holding me back Okay, that was his whole plan when he gave up his life for you, was just to hold you back. But life has this way of just hitting us sometimes with no after no after no. What if we could understand that there's power in no, and sometimes no is actually the new yes. Let's look at Acts chapter 16. If you're with me, say, I'm with you. Okay, well, that's better than I thought. Next, Paul and Silas traveled through the area of Phrygia and Galatia because the Holy Spirit had prevented them from preaching the word in the province of Asia at that time. I've got a whole bunch more, but I think we could just probably stop right there for a moment. So when we think of a no coming in our way in our life, and when I'm talking about a no coming our way, uh, no's come in a number of practical ways. Uh, for me, and this is just me, so don't superimpose this onto your own life and this is, unless this is how it works for you, but what I've come to discover in my personal life and in my prayer life is that I always have a yes unless I hear a no. So if I'm, if I'm praying about something or if I'm believing for something, uh, it, I, I know that when I start going into that mode and if I start asking God to speak to me, that unless I get a no, it's a Yes. Now, the reason I know that is because the no is so resounding and so powerful and so strong, so preventative that it's very, very clear to me what this next step is. It's clearly a yes. Now, that's the way it works for me. The way that each and every one of us have a relationship with Jesus is entirely unique. Just like a fingerprint, so is the way that you communicate and talk with and learn from uh, Jesus himself. You, you could take that and apply that to your life and you could find yourself in a whole bunch of frustration and a whole bunch of circumstances. So what I would encourage you to do is over this next week is a little bit of homework or maybe the next two weeks is try to discover your yes and your no language with God. 
How does God clearly communicate with you, with Jesus, when you're praying? Is this a yes or is it a no? And you will discover that there's, there's different ways, there's, there's different things. For some of you, it might be um, all no's until you hear yes. For some of you, it might just be yes, no, yes, no, yes, no. It, I, I don't know. So maybe try that out and just see if you can flex those muscles. Well, I'm thinking we might even have some time to do that this Thursday at our rally night. But God can communicate you in a number of ways. Now, here's the, here's the power of no. Paul and Silas, so Paul is the greatest missionary apostle person in, in the Bible, okay, aside from Jesus Christ. He wrote most of the New Testament. He traveled most of the known uh, world in a very specific region around Rome and all in a specific area, preaching, teaching, starting brand new churches. Uh, thousands and thousands of people responded, gave their lives to Jesus. But look at this. Paul and Silas traveled, so they're on the road through the area of Phrygia and Galatia. So Galatia, it should be familiar to us because that's where the people in, that's the city where the people, the Galatians live, you know, the book of Galatians. And they went there because the Holy Spirit had prevented them from preaching the word in the province of Asia at that time. Well, why would God say no to something if it looks good? I mean, he's doing God's work. Why, why, would, how, why would that happen? It doesn't seem to make sense. I've got this job opportunity. It just looks so good. Why, why would it be a no? Why would, why would there? I just have this relationship that I'm about to begin. By the way, we have a bunch of engagements in church this week. Uh, maybe this is a weekly thing, but if it's true, my summer's going to be real busy. Uh, Jessica and Clayton. Clayton was leading worship today. And, of course, we did the best thing. Jessica's in Stony Plain. Clayton's here in Spruce Grove. But Jessica and Clayton got engaged this week. So congratulations to those guys. I don't know where he ran off to, but that's all right. See, so, yeah, he went straight to Stony. He'll be back to play at the end of service. Uh, just couldn't be away with his fiance. But, hey, I got this situation in my life. It seems like a good thing. How come, how come I'm getting a no? Well, the reality is there's all kinds of reasons why God might say no to us. But I think the most simplest explanation that we can come up with for, for most no's is timing. It's just not the right time. It's the right thing, but it's just not the right time. So oftentimes when we get a no, and it seems like it's a really good thing, one of the simplest explanations is it's just not the right time. Now, there is also a second explanation. The second explanation is that God has something else better for you. And the question we have to ask ourselves is, is this good or is this God? Is this me just settling because it's what I can have right now? Or is this me pushing forward, believing the best, knowing that God has the best for me? And instead of throwing my candy right now temper tantrum, I wait for something better that's just around the corner. I want us to jump back all the way to the Old Testament, to Genesis chapter 39. If you're using the Version Bible app today, which I'm assuming most of you are, all of your notes are already on there, and I've included actually the entire chapter, though I'm just going to weave my way in and out of it today. Back in Genesis chapter 39, we, we bump into somebody known as Joseph. You might be familiar with Joseph and his Technicolor Dreamcoat. Anybody maybe heard of this guy, Joseph? Joseph uh, was a young man who got some incredible dreams from God in the middle of the night. And basically the dreams showed him ruling, uh, basically as a king or authority, over his entire family. And he was, at that time, the youngest brother. And so he went to his dad and to all his older brothers and said, guess what? God keeps giving me a dream. And the dream is that I'm going to be your king, guys. 
And I just assumed, now we can read some tone into the scripture, that maybe when a 14-year-old kid comes and tells all his older brothers that he's going to be the king, he maybe didn't do that in all humility, you know? It's like, hey, guys, going to be your king. You might as well bow down right now. Worship me. And so his brothers, being great guys, decided what they were going to do was fake his death, put him in a hole, and sell him to some slave traders because that's what good brotherhood looks like. Just a prank, guys. It's totally fine. So they sold him to some slave traders, took his robe, killed a goat, splattered blood all over it, went back to their dad and said, hey, Joseph's dead. Just a prank. Prank that lasted a lifetime. (laughs) And Joseph ended up getting sold to Egypt the next nation over as a slave. Now fortunately, when circumstances or plans don't go our own way, it does not mean that God is finished with us. Fortunately, when something comes in our way, when somebody tries to prevent an outcome, prevent a destiny, prevent something that that God has intended, it doesn't mean that we're finished. We might end up in a hole, but it doesn't mean that God is done. It doesn't mean that the story is over. This is Genesis 39 verse 1. The Lord was with Joseph, so he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. His Egyptian master's name was Potiphar, and Potiphar noticed this and realized that the Lord was with Joseph, giving him success in everything he did. This, was, this guy is the guy. Joseph was the man. Anything this guy did touched the gold. If, 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 if he was like cleaning up, the house had never been that clean. If he was given more responsibilities of animals, they were never more well-fed. If they were racehorses, they never ran faster. Every area that he touched turned to gold. And it wasn't because of Joseph, but it was because God was with him. He did not leave him. He did not forsake him. He did not abandon him. God was with him. And when God is with you, it changes everything. This pleased Potiphar as soon as, uh, so he soon made Joseph his personal attendant or his personal assistant. He put him in charge of his entire household and everything he owned. He was literally the right arm, verse 5. From the day Joseph was put in charge of his master's household and property, the Lord began to bless Potiphar's household for Joseph's sake. This is a whole nother message for a whole nother day, but let me just drop you a little free preview for another time. That when the Spirit of God is with you, when Jesus is with you, when we're willing to be made for Monday to bring the Spirit of God and Jesus into our everyday life, into our business meeting, into our job cleaning houses, or into our job being a personal assistant, or into our job making big decisions, or or whatever area of life, if we allow Jesus access to those areas, you will begin to flourish and succeed in ways that you never thought possible, not because you did anything, but because the wisdom of the Lord and the Spirit of God is at work in your life. And here's the crazy thing. It is possible that you, you could be one of the greatest employees of all time because when the Spirit of God is with you, those in proximity around you get better because you start lifting them up because you know what it means to encourage and bring life and Jesus starts speaking into you. say, hey, you should talk to this person, you should talk to this person. And it's possible that your company can be blessed because you are there and the moment you go, I'll just leave that there. All his household affairs ran smoothly his crops and his livestock 
flourished. The moment Joseph came and controlled everything flourished. So Potiphar gave Joseph complete administrative responsibility over everything he owned. With Joseph there, he didn't worry about a thing except what kind of food to eat. Now that's the kind of assistant you want when you're a boss. It's like, the only thing I have to worry about is if I'm having Vietnamese for lunch. Or if I'm going to head to the Cheesecake Cafe. That's, only, that's the only thing that this guy had to worry about as long as Joseph was around. Joseph, now that, again, just like David, you might be wondering, why is this in the Bible? Joseph was a very handsome and a well-built man. He's the total package. Good looking, good at his job, successful in everything that he taught. Potiphar noticed, and the household noticed, but so did Potiphar's wife. And so every day, when Potiphar would leave the house, she would literally say, hey, Joseph, come sit right here. <laughs> the old, I love the old school translations, because it's like, come lie with me. <laughs> Except get this, get this, get this. That's actually a better transliteration because the Hebrew word didn't mean... Oh, let's, is there kids? Yeah, okay. The Hebrew word didn't mean to connect. The Hebrew word literally meant to come lay down right beside me. But here's the thing. Inches add up. Inches add up. We know the game. We know where she was going. We know where she was headed. We know what she was trying to accomplish. We know that she thought he was good at everything, so she assumed he was good at this thing as well. Every single day. And every single day, Joseph's like, no, no, no. That's going to disrespect my God. It's going to disrespect my master. I can't do that. He, the Bible literally says that Joseph says to her, no one here has more authority than I do. This is verse 9 of chapter 39. He has held back nothing from me except you, because you are his wife. Potiphar literally gave him access to everything but her. And he's like, I'm not crossing that line. But isn't that human nature? Human nature that says, I've been given everything except this one thing. Now give me that one thing. Because I can't have it. Because I, I want it. Because you know what? I, everything is flourishing here because I deserve it. And yet Joseph stayed strong. He said, listen, I'm not doing this. How could I do such a wicked thing? It would be a great sin against God. And she kept putting pressure on Joseph day after day, but he refused to sleep with her, and he kept out of her way as much as possible. It's getting so awkward that he's avoiding his boss's wife because she just wants to lay right here with him. <laughs> but in a moment, she gets him close enough. She says, hey, come and lay right here with me. And she starts grabbing onto his jacket, and she's like, hey, listen, come Come lay here with me. He's like, listen, I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this thing with you. Just come lay here with me. She grabs hold of it, and he rips off 
his jacket and literally runs out the door and she's holding his coat or his cloak as he runs out the door. Now, some people have said that he runs out bare naked. That's just not an understanding of the historical context. She grabbed, they grabbed his outerwear, his coat, his jacket, but that was all that she needed because she did not like hearing no. And so she went to her husband and said, listen, this is Joseph's jacket. Do you know what that guy tried to do to me? And Potiphar's like, man, my house has never run better. I've trusted him with everything but this. How could he do this to me? And they literally threw Joseph in jail. No trial. No anything, because he had no rights because he was a slave. But the presence of God had elevated him to a whole another level. It wasn't enough to elevate him to the level of basic human rights in society. And so he went straight to jail. But guess what? Even when he went straight to jail. The Bible says that God was with him. He excelled in everything he went and soon enough he became the right hand of the prison master of the warden and then Joseph ran the jail. But can I tell you what? Your no guards your yes. Your no guards your yes. You're like, I don't understand exactly what that means. Your no guards your yes. I don't have time to read the whole biblical account, but what I can tell you is that Joseph later goes on to interpret some dreams by the power of God. He was good friends with some of Pharaoh's assistants who also ended up in jail just because they weren't good at their jobs or he was angry. And one of those assistants remembered Joseph And he interpreted a dream then for Pharaoh. And before we know it, because God was with him and he elevated him, Joseph became second in command in the entire nation of Egypt. And guess who came and bowed down at his feet? His brothers. Now I just want us to catch this for a moment. Joseph was the head of this wealthy, influential man's household. He had... What felt like all the power in the world. He had all the decision-making abilities. All of the capabilities to decide what's, what's right, what's wrong. How to spend the money. How to invest the money. Everything he did flourished. I think you could probably walk with a little bit of swagger when you, like, listen, this is who I work for. This is the house. This is where I'm at. I get to drive his car. Nice whip. You know, the whole thing. I get to eat well. I get to do all the things. I get to make the decision. It's easy for us to let power to go to our heads when we're in, in the, at the very beginning of our journey. We get a little bit of taste of what it feels like to be at that next level. And we're like, oh, this, is must, this must be what God meant. This must be it. And we begin to what? We settle in. We get comfortable. We just kind of put our roots down. Like, okay, I feel like I'm at a level of influence. I feel like I've just, I must have peaked. I, I'm here right now. And if we are not careful, if we do not guard ourselves, if we do not embrace the power of now, then when that opportunity comes with Someone like Potiphar's wife, or maybe it's not a wife at all. Maybe it's a coworker who's going to chip you into a deal where they're just skimming something off the top because you're here and you deserve it and you work hard and you should take a little bit of something for yourself. Joseph could have peaked early, but God has such a great destiny, a great 
purpose for him. He had sense, he's had such a sense of the destiny that God had for his life that he was able to say no in a moment of simple temptation. Your no guards your yes because if Joseph would have fallen in that moment, all of those dreams, all of those realities would have been fulfilled only in that household. I just wonder if there's been a moment in your life where you feel like you've achieved all that you can achieve and you've come up against this boundary and you feel like you've been offered something or you feel like there's an opportunity and you just kind of settle in and it gives you an opportunity to waver in your moral standard to waver in your personal ethic because hey I've I've peaked I'm here I'm right now I've done everything that I thought I could do I, I don't see any other way forward listen the route that God has planned for us is oftentimes unconventional the only way Joseph could be propelled or was propelled to the highest office in the government was through prison. Now, I'm not suggesting you need to find a way to get to prison. But what I am suggesting is that if you could embrace a no in your life, the no that says, no, I'm not going to do that. No, I'm not going to compromise. No, I'm not going to move just a little bit to gain a little bit more ground because it'll give me a little bit more influence. If it does something that begins to change who I am, to change my moral standard, to change my belief. Because when we do that, we put more faith and more belief in dishonesty, corruption. We put more faith and belief in that relationship, in that mistake that one night than we have in Jesus to lead us forward. But our no protects our yes. Our no keeps us open and ready in position for when the time comes that we can just step right into the plan and purpose of God. Our no protects and guards our yes. Galatians 6 verse 9. Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God You will always harvest what you plant. Just ignore that. Listen to me for a moment. I gave him the wrong one. Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. In other words, you will reap what you sow. If your entire life is based on you scratching out a little bit more, compromising on this standard, fudging this document, fudging this report, you will only ever reap that reward. And though you might get away with it for a long time, you might even find yourself in promotions in places that you know that you shouldn't be, but you, you just did whatever you had to do to get there, thinking that it was actually the best thing. Here's what happens. We actually think it's the best thing for us, and if we're in it long enough, we actually think it's the best thing for God because we're like, listen, now look where I am. Look at about all the things that I can do for him. Look at all the things I can do for Jesus. Look at all this influence I have, but you will always reap what you sow. You cannot mock the justice of God. And so if your entire journey and trajectory has been based on manipulation, misinformation, and a corrupt sense of morality, at some point, you will reap that harvest. But if we live a life where we can embrace the power of no, understanding when God says no, it's a timing issue, there's something better, We don't have to get upset at him. 
we can be frustrated, but we don't have to get upset because we know He's got our best purpose in mind. We know that because of the sacrifice He's already made for us. We know that He's already gone all the way. He's done everything that He... <laughs> He's done everything that He could do to show us His never-ending love, mercy, and affection. So we can understand that He's coming from the best possible perspective when a no comes our way. We can learn to embrace the no because it's not Him saying no because He doesn't want me to have fun and have a good time. It's Him saying no because He says, listen, i got something better for you and it's just not the right time. But what if we began to embrace the no for ourselves? I wonder what my life might look like if I drew some lines in the sand and I started saying no, instead of living in the gray areas, instead of living in the vagueness, instead of living in, in a questionable realm, and you're like, are you questioning me? No, I'm just saying you probably will find yourself in a questionable situation at some point. I wonder what my life, my life might look like if I understand there's a greater purpose, there's a greater cause, there's a greater calling, there's a greater destiny that Jesus has more for me. He's got the best for me. I wonder what might happen to my life when I'm presented with those situations or those circumstances and I just say, no, because as good as that looks right now, it's not the best that God had intended for me. I wonder what my life might look like. I wonder what the life of your co-workers might look like if you just started saying no. Like, oh, well, why, why, why? Now you got an opportunity. Listen, this is the power of no. This is us saying no to this right now opens us up to the good things that God has. You see these blessings around, you see this performance that is happening at work, you see these things where people actually like being around me. That's actually the spirit of God at work in my life because people are drawn to the fruits of the spirit, which is the evidence of God at work. Love, peace, kindness, gentleness, patience. Everybody loves those kind of people. I wonder, I wonder, I wonder what might happen to my life if I could learn to embrace the power of no. Why don't you bow your heads and close your eyes all across this place? You might be here today just on the brink of making a few decisions. Maybe there's a, a deal that's about to close and you've just had this feeling inside of you that like something's not quite right. I want to encourage you to bring that to Jesus himself. You don't have to make that decision on your own. Ask him to bring to light any of those areas to inspire you to look, search, dig a little deeper. Embrace the power of no that says, I'm not going to live in a gray area. I'm going to live in an area that God is proud of, that Jesus is happy with because it's honest. It's got integrity. It's got character. I wonder if you're here today and you would say that there's just a bit of this struggle or wrestling with an area that's deeply personal and you've been using it to self-medicate yourself in any number of areas. Can I tell you that if you could learn to embrace the power of no, and you can be empowered by Jesus to do this, you don't have to do this on your own power, your own strength. If you would draw a line in the sand, say, listen, I'm not going to do that. 
because I'm actually doing this to supplement my marriage, to supplement my relationship. I'm, I'm doing this or I'm participating in this or I'm watching this because I'm not getting something else. I wonder what might happen to your marriage or to your job or to your family. If you said, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to double down on the area that I'm trying to medicate. I just wonder what your life might look like. Hey, thanks for listening. I'm so honored that you made this a part of your day. If you're looking for more information about our church, head online to engagechurch.ca. If you want to visit us live, come check us out in Spruce Grove in Stony Plain, Alberta. Two locations, 10, 11, and 12. We'd love to see you. Have a great week, everybody.